Welcome to the podcast. I'm Candice Boddington, your host, an energy dealer and nutritional navigator in Cape Town, South Africa, and founder of The Bod Brand. In 2017, I made the commitment to live a holistic lifestyle to heal my anxiety, gut health, and hormonal imbalances. I truly hope that the space adds the value you seek and will give you the starting blocks to heal too. All you need to do to get started is subscribe and you can leave the rest in our hands. We're looking forward to sharing this time together. Thank you for listening. Hello everyone. Oh my goodness. I'm sure you guys are feeling the same, but I'm so excited for this podcast. I've recently just come back from India. I went to go and do my yoga teacher training there and I lived there for the month as well and it was just the most expanding experience I've had to date. I didn't share too much on my adventures, I just felt there are certain times in your life that you truly need to be present for and being in India and doing my yoga teacher training was very intense so I decided to just not document a lot of it and I wasn't going to share it as I mentioned on my Instagram that I felt this sort of experience was something that one would need to go to India and experience it yourself and immerse yourself in the practice and in the in everything in India I mean it's it's really a mind-blowing place but after a few days that comment stuck in my head that I said and I thought you know that's quite a privileged way of thinking that someone can just get up and go to India like they have that sort of money today. <laughs> um, I personally saved a lot, I say for a year to be able to go and do it. So I thought that it would be of good karma <laughs> to share my story, answer your questions, for those who would, like myself, need to invest a lot of time and a lot of money to be able to do it. And I will get into more of that as we go on, because I opened up my Instagram to um, qu questions, and I got quite a bit. <laughs> so I've broken it down into four sections today. So we'll be going um, through what the yoga teacher training stands for and a general understanding of the course then we'll also get into why I went to India why I chose it and many of the experiences within it um, why I chose city yoga the place that I studied and then there's just some general questions as well that we'll leave for the end so I'm going to dive straight into it um, I do feel like sometimes my podcasts are just really, really extended Q&As, but it really does allow a great platform and I guess, yeah, a good platform for discussion and not too many looping around so that we don't get to business. <laughs> All right, so the first question starts with what does YTT stand for? So that is yoga teacher training. And it's just to simplify it because it is quite a mouthful, especially when you are subjected to a paragraph to express your emotions on Instagram. <laughs> All right, second question. Did you do your yoga teacher training to become a teacher slash instructor or to further and deepen your practice? I did it for both. Uh, my initial was... The, the initial reason why I chose to start investigating in my yoga teacher training was because I was feeling slightly detached from fitness because of my own health and I was feeling limited in some in some ways. So it was also for my personal practice because I found myself leaning more towards yoga than fitness, even though now I definitely have a 50-50 split in my workouts for the week. And being someone who is a qualified personal trainer, I thought it would definitely aid to my career. So it was for both. And I think it can definitely be one or the other for someone who's maybe not an instructor. But 
Yeah, for me it was both. Alright, so next one. How long have you been practicing yoga for? Well, I just combined two sentences there. But the question is, how long have I been practicing before my yoga teacher training? And that was probably on and off for about a year. Um, and maybe even longer. I remember I, I kind of... Uh, tipped my toes in it when I was instructing at a studio called My Utopia at the waterfront. And I think I did a total of three classes there in the maybe year and a half that I was instructing. And it wasn't because of the place or the teachers. It was just because I was so fully immersed in fitness. And to me, I was seeking that hour in the day for a time to sweat and push and burn calories and tone my bum. I wasn't looking for a place to quiet, quieten my mind and restore my body. And they both have a place. Don't, like, I fully believe in fitness and I fully believe in yoga. Um, I just wasn't doing any yoga at that point. And then when I started instructing at Wild Things, I have been there for the year. And I, when I, I took a break, obviously now when I went to do my course but I was probably doing yoga twice a week I tried to do it before I instructed my class each morning so for about a year twice a week all right the next one as a beginner where can I start with yoga I think f for me I actually ended up going to such a gnarly um, class for my first one I think it was like a heated vinyasa fit flow or something and I guess it also depends where you are in your strength and your fitness because it does definitely help with your I would say stamina in the classes not necessarily your form or your actual practice but it definitely can help um, I always find restorative classes and um, just getting on the mat a really great start um, I think if I had to look back and if I could change where I started and then give advice on that, I think the best place to start would probably be yoga with Adrian on YouTube because one, you can start in your home so you don't feel the need to look around and see what anyone else is doing because it does happen. Um, it's very normal, but it's great to kind of start stepping away from that. Um, habits in class um, so I would say start at home with a YouTube video um, and if you can afford it maybe even get a, a yoga teacher trainer to come into your home and really assess your body and where your body's at and modify it and maybe teach you one or two modifications so that when you do go into a class um, which can be really tricky for an instructor to look at everyone. Let's just say there's like 50 people in the class or 30 people. It's a lot of a lot of humans to look after and hold space for and monitor every single posture. So I would say it's almost the same for a personal trainer, but in a in a yoga instructor rather. Um, okay, I feel like I rambled on that one a bit. Next one. Do you have to have experience in yoga to do the course? How fit and yogalicious do you have to be? <laughs> I love that, yogalicious. Um, so I think what is a good conversation to bring to the table now is that it really depends what you are looking for when you are doing yoga. So some people definitely look for it in a physical aspect, so it's very physical practice to them. Um, and that's your asana, so that is your your way of moving. However, yoga is extremely multifaceted. Is obviously the asana, so that's your postures. Then you have pranayama, which is different kinds of breath control, which I think was a question as well. Um, I might butcher this, so I'm sorry if I do. I think it's pratyahara. Um, basically, that is... The withdrawal of senses. So it's a practice of withdrawing of senses. So that's what you see, smell, taste, hear, touch. Um, and through these are the blessings for further living life. They bring with them vices, obviously. So things like sex, anger, greed, illusion, pride and jealousy. 
Um, but since these organs are the center of perception and sensation, having control over the organs keeps the mind free from all these unnecessary disturbances, the ones that I just mentioned. Um, then you have Dahrana, and that is concentration of the mind on an object and its field. So in the stage of concentration, whereby one get, gathers the scattered mind in one place and gets it concentrated on a certain object. Then you have meditation. And then we can also go into the various paths of yoga. So we have Hatha Yoga, which I love. I truly, truly love it. Then we have Yoga of Inquiry. So this is the yogas that we went through on the course. We have Karmic Yoga, um, Bhatki Yoga, Mantra Yoga, Kundalini, Raja... Uh, Astanga Vinyasa we went through that was also a very um, um, physical practice asana and then that's just the actual physical things and there's a whole bunch of theory that I mean you just get so lost in the philosophy and um, the conversations based around anatomy there's so much more than just your physical self being on the mat and I truly felt that I learned most of the things I brought back with me off the mat. Um, okay, next question. <laughs> How can you best prepare yourself for your yoga teacher training to best prevent injuries? This is a fantastic question. I went there with injuries, I got injuries there, and I came back home fine. <laughs> I know, makes no sense. So the one thing that I did, which honestly was life-saving not the one thing, the one things I did. So I brought my recovery stuff with me. So I bought my TheraBand, I bought anti-inflammatories, I got a um, really amazing oil for for um, strained muscles and nerves there from Himalaya. It's a great brand, but the, the oil I used only can be bought there. Um, and I bought a knee guard, I basically just prepped myself for the injuries I knew I had and how I would heal them here at home. I made sure that um, I brought them with. And then I also saved all of my recovery exercises from my um, physio. And I just did that. Every morning I would go up to class a half an hour before everyone else, do my recovery work, and I was able to make it all the way up until the absolute last class. And then I overstretched my MCL and I was happy and sad, but more happy that it happened on the last day. Um, okay, so that is what Yoga Teacher stands for and answering a few questions related to yoga teacher training. So let's dive into section two being why did you travel to India to do your course? All right, so I'm going to answer that question by the all the other questions that followed because they, that sums it up. So firstly, the pros and cons of doing it abroad. I don't have many, but I will just share my reasoning. So I first asked on Instagram where everyone had done theirs, where they'd heard good things, did some research, put some prices together. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I do not have that amount of money for yoga teacher training course. Like there must be another way. So I spoke to my friend Claire um, and Natalie and both of them, funny enough, had done it in India at City Yoga for a fraction of the price that I was finding here in Cape Town. So to me, it literally was a no-brainer. I was just like, I get to travel pro to India, pro, country I've never been to, to do my yoga teacher training, pro, in a place where it is born, pro, where I know that I can also learn all of the philosophy, pro, and be surrounded by those who truly, truly are gurus and, yoga, and, and yogis. So not that they are not here in South Africa, but keeping in mind all the pros that I just mentioned now, to me, I was just like, this feels like a no-brainer. So the cons. The cons was that if you are someone who feels isolated... It can feel like that in the beginning because you are basically put into a place that you know no one, you're out of your comfort zone and you're going to be pushed to your limit 
in all aspects, emotionally, physically, mentally, like everything you can think of, it's going to just push you just past the comfort zone. And that can feel like way past the comfort zone in the beginning. The other con I would say is that you don't really have your own space, even though you have your room, you don't really have your own space to like practice, to eat, to even go for a coffee, um, because you'll find people in the course will want to come with you. So you have to learn to be really good at communicating and just be like, listen, I really need some alone time. I'm going up for a coffee by myself. And that's something that took me some time to learn. Um... Other cons is that you don't have the things that you might lean on here. So like Wi-Fi, electricity, clean water, <laughs> meals that you tend to lean to when you emotionally eat. Um, there's all these small things that become big things when everything else is not working. Um, I'm trying to think, to be honest, for the reasoning why I went, I, I can't find many cons. And... I really, really freaking enjoyed it, even though it was so, so tough as well. Um, also, your 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 medical side of things are quite limited there. So if you do injure yourself quite badly and you need to see a physio, yeah, I wouldn't really see a physio there. Um, and the medication you'll get will be more Ayurvedic medication, so it will take longer to help heal you, even though it's better for some people to practice Ayurvedic medicine more than um, Western medicine. As I've mentioned before, I'm a firm believer in integrating both. I don't demonize either. Um, so I think if you had to severely, oh, it's raining. Oh, that's nice. Um, sorry. <laughs> if you had to severely injure yourself, that could potentially be quite a con. I'm going to move on from this one, if you guys don't mind, because we have a lot. How was your experience in India? Well, I think that this whole podcast is going to sum it up, but it was amazing. And I'm so filled with gratitude that I was able to experience my yoga teacher training and just experience India there. I have no idea how I would sum it up. That's why in the beginning I was like, you guys actually need to go there. But I mean, where I went, which is Darshalama, Darshalama, I always butcher that name. I'm so sorry. Um, it is a bit of a bubble away from the other parts of India, which I did travel to on my last week there. And it's kind of like Bali. Um, but obviously there's many cultural changes and um, differences. And it did kind of remind me of just being up the coast here, even where we have a lot of um, greenery and nature. The people are so kind there in Dar um, Dar Salama. Oh my goodness. You know how many times I had to ask people to correct me and they did every time and I just can't grasp the name of the place I stayed. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a bubble. Um, think of it as Cape Town in relation to Africa. That's kind of where I went is into relation with India. Um, the people were so giving, they work so hard, there's no entitlement there, which I can be very honest in saying there is a lot here in Cape Town. Um, people are really not, they're not there to hustle, they're there to, they're there to work and they're there to withhold a legacy of their family and the faith there is so ripe and ready to just be accepted and I think that's definitely what governs their peace um, even though there's a lot of news in the media portraying India to be incredibly harsh and hard very much so like South Africa but on the whole there's a lot of poo going around in this world and I truly felt safer in India than it will in in the place I stayed for my yoga than I do here in my home in Kenilworth. So I don't know if that maybe changes your perspective on it slightly. So the next one kind of trails on that, and that was how was it traveling alone as a female? Did I feel safe? So from the place I stayed where I did my yoga teacher training, I then traveled to Delhi. I then went to Agra, and then from Agra went back to Delhi and then also went to Baksu. 
And I never felt unsafe. I just felt uncomfortable. And I even took an 11-hour bus ride, which was the gnarliest thing ever. I'm sure if you followed me on Instagram stories, there was just a 24-hour period of travel that was undescribable. <laughs> Let's put it that way. One which included an 11-hour bus ride from my yoga studio through to Delhi. And I had a gentleman staring at me for those 11 hours, which was incredibly uncomfortable. But it's not that they want to do anything to you. It's just that they are so intrigued by white, blonde, blue-eyed females because we are aliens to them. So they're just curious. And when you can kind of get past the difference in mannerisms to your culture to another, your feeling of safety kind of comes back home. And you realize, and I had to, I'll be honest, I, I said it a few times, coming from a place like South Africa where there's a lot of women crime going on at the moment, and our safety has always been something we've had to hold very close to us. Um, it was very ingrained in me to fear. When I tried and I did eventually let go of the fear and I gave every person the opportunity, obviously not being silly and like putting myself in dangerous situations, like walking alone at night, but being on a bus full of other people with a security guard next to someone I was traveling with, there's a bit of perspective as to like when you fear things. And I just let go of it and I said to myself, I'm held, I am loved, I am looked after, there is no reason to fear. And I was just very, very cautious, like I would have been in South Africa in the way I traveled throughout India. A tip though, I would say, is definitely get a scarf if you are blonde. And um, if you feel uncomfortable, just wrap it around your head, turn the other way, and don't give any attention to the uncomfortable situation you have found yourself in. Not you, but life has found you in. <laughs> All right, so what was the Taj Mahal like? How was your experience? So when, oh wow, that was quite a jump. <laughs> anyway, um, so the best moment was walking through the, the burnt red arch. It was quite dark there. And then to walk through it, and it's just this white building. This whole place is just light there's just so much light and that first initial view is just like breathtaking it literally like punches you in the chest and then I walked through it and it was like a Instagram photo factory they literally had like a few second counts one person would move another person would go in that shot you had tour guides showing everyone where the in inverted commas, Instagram shots are, they take them, rotate their five clients, move to the next spot, take their photo, rotate their five clients, and that's happening in hundreds. We got there relatively early, which I think was at like half past six in the morning for sunrise, and by that time, I'm not sure if you saw, but it was pretty full. I don't even want to know what it's like there at noon or at a reasonable wake-up time, but yeah, it was, it's not, and that's why I even showed what was on my feet. I had to put these um, factory cloth-looking net things on my feet and walk around the inside of the Taj Mahal where a lot of Instagrammers take photos. And I couldn't help but laugh because you look at those photos and you're like, my gosh, that's so beautiful. But you had fishnets on your feet the whole time. I can't take this seriously now. Um, no, but I mean... It's still like photog the photography is insane with some of the photos taken there, but it definitely gave me a new perspective on a, on a, a, you know, something that we definitely hold quite high up on a pedestal. And then you go there and you're like, huh, it's a photo factory. But she was beautiful. And I'm very glad that I took the very entertaining ride for 24 hours to get there, a cancelled flight four taxis, 11-hour bus drive, um, five-hour delay, like, all to see her. It was definitely worth it, but there was definitely a bit of perspective when I got there. All right. 
where did you visit and where did you stay? I think I covered that now. Oh, um, so I literally just went on bookings.com for my stay in Agra because we didn't really stay anywhere in Delhi um, because of the cancelled flight. So we ended up staying an extra day in Dar es Salaam. From there, we drove straight to Delhi overnight. Um, so there was no accommodation there. It was just a bus that we booked at the one booking place in the little town I was in. Um under Trek and Dine, if you ever end up going there. The guy's awesome. He helps quite a bit. Um, and then ended up going straight to Agra. Um, stayed at the Moustache Hotel, which was really nice. But don't get the hostel room. Get the private room. The hostel rooms had bed bugs, so that was fun. Um, and then straight from there, we traveled back to Delhi and um, I just stayed in my friend's apartment and I got to the airport the night before. So I didn't actually do much traveling other than staying at the hotel that the studio provides for the course. Um, what did you pack for a month over there? India Essentials. So I actually made an Instagram post of this. If you scroll down to like my India feed, you will see I have like a book and a, a vitamin box and a few... I think there's a stasher bag on there with nuts in it. But if you read through that, I basically say all the essential stuff that I took through. It's like a whole list that I compiled. And then you also can kind of see what the room looks like there too. And there is an India highlight reel, which you can go on as well. So that's on my Instagram, CandyBod. How much spending money did you need? Um, it's so It's so strange. So like, I would just look up Indian rupee verse rands because obviously everyone's spending money is going to be different I went there already with the mindset of I'm not going to spend money there I went there to gain knowledge not gain things that was the mentality I went with and then so many people were like oh my gosh cans you better take tons of spending money with you because you're going to want to buy everything and don't get me wrong you're going to want to buy everything but I feel like I'm at this time in my life where I feel like I have enough physical things in my life that adding more to it just feels not needed so I bought my sister's present there I bought something for Luke and the rest of it I spent on experiences like going to the Taj eating tons of food there um, going for massages um, like more experiences than things um also, when you're doing the course from Monday to Saturday afternoon, all your meals and your tea and your coffee is covered. So you're only having to cater for four meals a week, which is really not a lot. I mean, a coffee there is 10 rand. So to put it in perspective, you're paying like 50 rand a meal. And then you can kind of calculate how much you would want to take. I would say like for the month, like 3,000 rand. Um, but that was me spending most of my money on food and experiences and seeing temples. And it really is what you want to make it. Okay, value of doing the course in India instead of Cape Town. So I just want to make clear that there is no better or worse place to study your yoga teacher training. It really depends what you are seeking. And I know for a fact that when, and I will most likely um, add on to my yoga teacher training study here in Cape Town, I will learn so much more about other things. So, okay, sorry, I got distracted by the next question. So the value for me for doing it in India was that I got to fully immerse myself in the philosophy and in the lifestyle that a guru and a yoga yogi would experience because you're not just doing it part-time like you would potentially do it here in Cape Town where you come back to your house and you have your everyday um, you know problem solving to get through and tasks and obligations and travel like all these things definitely alter the experience I, I feel at least when you are in India in the same dorm rooms as all the people doing the same thing as you, eating the same food, speaking about the same things, dealing with the same emotions and stuff, 
you start to do it as a collective in every waking moment. Whereas I think there's a slight, this really is my opinion, so I'm, I'm not trying to offend anyone here, especially those who own studios and do courses, but I do believe that there's just a different element provided when you are doing it as a collective 24 hours a day and you're not leaving to go back to your inverted commas real life. Um, Because it's very disconnecting when you go there. And you are yoga there. Not that you aren't here, but like you eat, you breathe, you sleep. Like even to the meals, they're all prepared in like an Ayurvedic way. So you're eating warm, nourishing meals. You're not leaning for something that you might potentially do at home as a comfort. Because obviously it gets uncomfortable. And then on the other side of the spectrum, if one was to do it here in Cape Town before going overseas I think the biggest pro would be that you would then also have your comforts if you find that being completely isolated from your normal daily routine would create too much anxiety for you or it might just not be accessible to you then that is a pro like if you do not have the time away from work or your kids or any other commitments that you've made but you really want to do it at a certain time in your life that would only allow you to do it in a place that you live like that's a pro and it shouldn't be the reason why you choose to not invest in yourself and study something like this if it is something you want to do obviously I'm not preaching it to be something you have to do Um, but to me that would be the main drawing um, card to doing it locally before doing it abroad. And I'm going to leave that section there. And I'm going to go on to why did I go to City Yoga? Um, So let's just go through the questions like we did in the previous one. So where is the school in India and what other conditions were they bearable? So City Yoga is situated in New Bloon Haven, which is a uh, hotel. Now for Indian standards, it is freaking good. And I can say that after traveling India for a while afterwards, they are definitely bearable. They are looked after with so much pride, even though, yes, it's not going to be your Taj Mahal here in Cape Town. But for where it is and what they have, they take so much pride in looking after every aspect of that hotel and that studio. And I definitely think it's bearable. But also to me, I wasn't there to go live in a luxe hotel. I was there to study and I was there to learn yoga. But that's my perspective. Um, oh my goodness, I lost, I lost my, lost my train of thought. Um, so the school is in. Excuse my terrible butchering of it, but I think it's pronounced Darshalama. I will put it in the comment section below, just to make sure. So you can actually even link. I'll leave the link to the school in the in the bio. Um, in mm, no, I'll leave it in the comment section of the Instagram post. So yes, I personally felt that they were very bearable, but that's up to discussion. How was the food for vegetarians and vegans? So all of their food, because they, as I said, it's based on a yogi diet as well. So everything there is vegetarian and there are always vegan options. And if they aren't making vegan options, like maybe there's some cheese in the dal or um, there's some ghee in the araparata, or there's butter somewhere, like, they will tell you, or you can ask, I would recommend asking if you're a very strict vegan, and they literally will make you something on the side, like, they will always accommodate, that's one thing in India, which I love, there is no such thing as no, they just make a plan, and it's one of the best things I learned there. So, what was all included in the package? So, Starting off the collection from the airport, the stay, your courses, your meals, your coffee, your tea, um, being certified afterwards, the manual and a few of the cleaning protocols, which you will just experience yourself there. I'm not going to get into that. And then your taxi to the airport or, yeah, I think it's just to the airport I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, How much did the whole trip cost and how much did your course cost? So I think in total, so airplane tickets are going to vary. 
I think in total I paid for my flight from Cape Town to Dubai, Dubai to Delhi, then Delhi to Dar es Salaam. So there were two different planes, but there were one, two, I think there were three stops. Um, the first one was like, I think like nine, almost ten. And then the second flight was like one, two. So I think it came to about like 11 and a half, let's say roughly 12,000 rand just for the flights. Then it was about 16, no, it was about 13,000 for the course. It could be 16, but let's just go, let's go with the safe 15. And then spending money was about 3,000 rand. So for a month in India, doing my yoga teacher training course, Flying there, taxis, I would say probably save about 35,000 rand. And that was the going price of the cheapest yoga course in Cape Town that I could find that I was willing to spend money on. Obviously, there might be one or two that are cheaper, but it just wasn't the ones that I was interested in. And the ones that I were were probably be about 55 or so. Um, so to me, I was like, this makes absolute no sense as to why why should I not go experience yoga where it was born, travel the world a bit more because I am freaking blessed and privileged to be able to, even though I did save my bum off for a year to do it. Um, it's still a privilege that I get to save that money to be able to do something like this. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go do it in India based on that. Um is the qualification recognized worldwide? Yes, it is. You have to go onto an official site, which they give you a link to once you are qualified. You then have to register yourself, and it's an annual fee to make sure that you are a qualified yoga instructor. Obviously, if you choose to do the course for yourself and maybe one or two family members, they don't push you to be registered on the site. But the good thing about being registered on the site is that you start clocking up hours, which means you basically start becoming more qualified on a international, worldwide scale because now they can go back and they can look into your log and they can be like, oh, she's done X amount of hours on top of her 200, 300, 500 hours, whatever. Um, as a student, these are her practical hours. So it's actually within your best um interest to to register yourself on the site okay next one do you feel like the course has enabled you to teach well so this is very interesting so I'm coming from a background of personal training I'm a qualified body tech instructor personal trainer sweat 1000 instructor I have my own ebook which I've instructed in wild things for the past year so I have a fair amount of hours and years behind me instructing and being confident enough to instruct people physically for quite some time so I after instructing my practical for my my guru he literally sat down with me and my partner was like we don't say this very often but you are you are able to teach as soon as you leave that was yeah I won't share all of it it was beautiful what he said to me and to me, I feel like I am able to teach straight from the course. However, if you are someone who has never taught anything before in your life, it might feel different to you. So therefore, your end experience might be different in what you feel you're able to do. How you feel enabled after your yoga teacher training is in your head. So it's all in your head as to how well or how well you won't do. And if you can kind of navigate through that in a way to get the result you would like, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to teach well straight afterwards. But it definitely starts in your head. Did I consider doing a silent retreat? That is the funniest question because honestly, for the first week, people are going to piss you off. And it's not because you or they are bad people. It's just that you're in each other's space in this very uncomfortable space. And people are going to get on your last nerve because you only have six of them left. <laughs> I'm joking. So at one point, I was like, maybe I should. Maybe I should just do a silent retreat. Then I don't have to talk to anyone. Then I don't have to respond to anyone. And I don't have to explain things. 
and I don't have to struggle with language barriers because that's something also that happens and it sounds so silly to to say it out loud like that but when you're in the space that is like I've mentioned that is forcing you to become uncomfortable you do start thinking about having a silent retreat but I didn't end up having it because I truly did want to get to know the people around me and I wanted to ask questions and I wanted to dive straight in in my way of doing that and that's for me I am the biggest question asker like if one thing goes wrong I'm hitting Google up with all the questions even though I don't recommend that but I'm the person that will also go to my holistic doctor with like a pad full of questions. I ask a lot of questions in life. I always have. So a silent retreat this time just wasn't on the cards. (laughs) How did you find the real healers? So I didn't even realize that I was surrounded by the real healers until I got there. And yeah, if you aren't like, it's actually incredible. They have... Um, Armut, who is the main asana teacher and he goes through art of teaching and your practice in the morning he is so knowledgeable he is 22 years old and he has the wisdom of an 80 year old it is insane it will blow your your mind how much he knows about the body and he was a form of healer then you have Armita who is This badass boss, woman science guru, who understands everything from anatomy to a cellular level, probably further, all the way into being like one of the most qualified Ayurvedic doctors I've ever um, had the privilege of speaking to. And I had a consult with her. And she was just there, not just, but she is the anatomy and the um, philosophy teacher. And she was a healer there. And then we had Surrender, who was our more of a karmic yoga teacher, but he teaches our evening asana um, and our pranayamas and um, explain to us like mudras and a lot of other things. Um, and he was a Reiki healer. So all our teachers were the real deals, the real OGs of healers. And they were teaching us at the same time. And that to me was another that confirming tick in my head as to, yes, I am exactly where I want to be right now. All right. So did you learn about postures? Yes, it is. I would say a large part of it, but it is not the only part of yoga. Do you learn about advanced poses, anatomy, special cases? Yes, we do a lot in the anatomy classes, which is far more theory than it is practical however when you do your practicals you have to kind of integrate them and explain like this posture is really good for those who have um lordosis for example and this is one that should be stayed away from that these are the ones that are safe for pregnancy for menstruation these are the ones that are great for those who have heart condition or high blood pressure also i have i realized that Someone with high blood pressure is going to be a huge challenge for me if I ever have to instruct on a personal level because there's a lot of things that are going to be limiting for them. (laughs) So yes, you do. You learned so much about that. Um, We also learned about meditation techniques. um, And after every single day, the last class is meditation. And he does a whole bunch of different ones from like candle staring to laughing meditation, um, chakra meditation, sound, and then he also encourages the students in the class to give meditation classes as well. So sometimes you'll get someone like we had, we had a girl from Spain, and she did like a body scanned meditation for us. Um, So was this one comprehensive enough? I honestly felt so because... Oh, you learning physical theory, energetic communication. You learning so much that by the end of it, you just think I actually can't even fit any more in my brain right now, and that can be disheartening at some point because you're like, 
it's only a month but it's so much for a month and you also have to be kind to yourself be like there's only so much I can physically and mentally take in right now and just because you're doing 200 hours doesn't mean your studies end there you know we are students of life it will continue for as long as we want to continue studying so it will be as comprehensive as you make it comprehensive how do I know which yoga teacher trainer is right for me I think I, I stand by what I said earlier I truly don't believe it is the yoga studio only the yoga studio that's going to make it feel right for you I think every yoga studio around the world is going to add value and it's going to add what you're seeking so I think find what you're seeking for me I wanted to be immersed in the culture and I wanted to learn a lot about the philosophy. But if you just want to focus on like healing injuries or your actual physical practice, then there are many other places that would add amazing value with the things that you are seeking. So ask yourself, what am I seeking? And then seek out the yoga training course that would best suit your why. Okay. Moving on to general questions. <laughs> um, I really hope that I'm not making this too long. I'm trying to speed it up. Anyway, okay, general questions. First one, experiences that touched your heart. I think the biggest one for me was the feedback from my guru after my practice, after studying there for a month and having his feedback from my practice was the biggest like goosebump day of my life um other things I would say the people like the people genuinely touched my soul they are so kind so kind and so attentive and present um I think also getting to know the people that I was studying with this really was like a people-focused place because there it's not when you are focusing also on like not letting your senses control you so not being so emotionally dependent on like food and caffeine and um like things it truly does just become the interactions between people that touch your soul the most because that's where all of your energy is um and then obviously seeing India in itself and things like the Taj Mahal and I mean there's so many it's it's like these five second moments there that are things that are going to touch us all and each person is going to find different five seconds there well they're different five seconds there um the coffee is only good where I stayed oh my gosh no I take all of that back baksu cake baksu cake touched me on a spiritual level I'm joking, that was ridiculous to say. But honestly, that was the best tasting thing, is their food. Their food is good. Now that I'm thinking back and reminiscing, but in the moment, it was the people. But looking back now, it's it's definitely the food and baksu cake. The best parts and the worst parts, I really feel like I've covered that. Best parts, though, were people finding my guru, um, the food... The environment where I stayed, I was staying in the Himalayas, it was insane. Um, the worst part is probably getting a bit homesick, having water on your floor all the time in the bathrooms, not being able to brush your teeth. Uh, the traveling and the transport is not reliable and it's crazy. The driving there is crazy. You think Weinberg Main Road is crazy? No. You have not seen anything. Um, being limited in if you are injured, it can be quite kind of scary. Um, I didn't get deli belly, but I was really, really religious in the way that I like even washed my toothbrush with bottled water. Like I went deep diving into it because I have a very sensitive gut. And prior to India, I had a huge gut infection that I had to be on antibiotics for. And that lasted like, honestly, months. So I was super wary and I was fine. I just ate only cooked food, drank only bottled water, only used bottled water, and I was fine. But then Candace gets conjunctivitis on her last day there because of a hostel. So like I said, tip, 
don't stay in hostels. I know it's cheaper. Just pay the extra, get a private room. You won't get bed bugs and you won't get conjunctivitis. So it's a win. Um, other worst parts. I guess like the language barrier can be kind of tricky sometimes, especially when we were stuck at the train station in Agra and you have taxi drivers coming up to you and then you're also trying to talk to your taxi drivers and there's a little bit of a language barrier which can become a huge barrier. Um, like for instance, there were two people that got a taxi with this one guy and they didn't know or understand what the tax was on the taxi. So in India, they have to pay tax. And um, uh, what does that thing go when you like you pay at each stop? Tolls? Tolls? Yeah, I don't know. I think you know what I mean. Um, and they couldn't communicate that properly to the two people who were from like London and, and um, Brazil. But lucky enough, I had a friend, Fee, who actually stays in India and her um her man is from Delhi so he could speak the language and I would literally phone them be like hey can't really understand what the taxi driver needs can you please translate it they would then have a fat conversation on the phone and reassure that everything's good we just needed to pay tax and toll and they just reminded the taxi driver to drive slow um, and a lot of the taxi drivers try go with Ola um, Uber is terrible there and they cancel last minute all the time so Ola and um, I think they are permitted to drive 80 kilometers an hour they they can't drive over otherwise they get in trouble okay how do you find this has connected you to your true authentic self I feel a much calmer energy from your posts that is very kind and I feel calmer too but I think it's because I just feel more authentic. Like you've you've actually written it so beautifully here. Um, I don't want to say I feel like more me. <laughs> um, oh, I feel calmer. I just genuinely took myself away from social media where I think we can definitely get influenced by other people. We see what works. We see people and how they talk and what they do and their interests with big followings. And no doubt, we do, maybe consciously or subconsciously, we do kind of start mirroring those behaviors and interests and the way that people talk and stuff. And taking myself completely away from that, being away for a month, I genuinely feel like I have rebooted my personality and who I actually am. Um, it wasn't that I was never not being myself. I just think it's very innate within our nature to get distracted by our, our true selves because we just see so much in our hands on our phones all the time. It's like that saying goes, you are the sum of the five people you hold closest around you. We are holding thousands of people on our phone every single day. There's going to be some white noise. There's going to be some gray noise. But by unplugging myself for the month, and I didn't even do fully unplugged, just for like most of my day, I think I spent like 20 minutes a day on my phone, I could remind, like be remembered like, oh, I'm actually super mellow, and I'm a tomboy, and I say stoked a lot, and I don't like wearing like frilly things and things that show a lot of my body. I actually really dig wearing Luke's t-shirt and jeans oh, I forgot that. Well, that's cool. And now I've just kind of brought it back. And I also realized that it's far less energy being who you really are. Even if you change slightly, like each day, it's way easier being who you are. And it feels good. So I really, really like that, what you said. And I really appreciate that you took the time to even notice that. So thank you. Um... Next one, how has your transition into everyday civilization been? I was actually having a chat to a friend of mine. Um, he, yeah, we were, we were chatting about it. And to be honest, it has been quite difficult. And I noticed the same thing when I came back from Bali last year. And I don't know how much there is that I can even do about it. When I've stayed in Bali for a month and I stayed in India for a month, I realized how unified their place is 
because of their faith. And I'm not disregarding any faith here in Cape Town. But when I come back to Cape Town, as soon as I land in Cape Town, and as soon as I start interacting with people, there's this fear. It's a fear of maybe not being enough. It's a fear of actual safety. It's a fear of maintaining that job, that status, that weight. There's just so much fear. And... I don't know if I'm just like way too observant and way too sensitive that I pick it up. But when I'm there, I feel like everyone runs on faith. And when I'm here, I feel like a lot of people run on fear. And that perspective is always difficult to climatize to because you start questioning everything. And yeah, it's it's always tricky. I think no matter where you travel, it's always tricky coming back home. But I think because of also understanding a lot more about myself and what I want to do while I have this lifetime here, it definitely puts a lot of things in perspective and in a really good way. I know I mentioned the faith and fear thing, but like even though it's really tough for me to be back uh, in the sense of me questioning a lot of what I'm doing and how I want to do it in the future... I'm so grateful for that because I think if I had not gone over, I wouldn't have been able to unplug myself from my routine and see where there was a lot of space for improvement for me as a human and how I interact with people and myself in this world. And I think by allowing myself the privilege to do that and then come back, not only am I going to add so much more value to the people around me's life, but to my own life because I'm truly going to be doing things with such, like, I want to say stillness, to be honest. Um, And I think with that stillness is going to become, well, what will happen is, I feel personally, is that things will be more purposeful. And if I find purpose in something, I find fulfillment. And at the end of the day, I kind of feel like that's what we're all looking for, is fulfillment in some way, in some part of our lives. And that's truly what this experience has gifted me. Um, So the transition has been difficult, but it's been needed. All right, how does one approach integrating um, the integration into the yoga teacher world post-yoga teacher training? Oh my goodness, why was that sentence said so terribly? So... This is something that I'm struggling with and is what I was speaking about on my Instagram stories now is that I was so grateful for all these questions that got asked about this yoga teacher training because it's really forced me to have to answer this exact question. (laughs) And that is, how does one approach integration into the yoga teaching world post-yoga teacher training? So, it's such a difficult one. I, I feel like I also did kind of mention it before. But I think what I'm going to be doing with my answer is that I'm going to allow myself the time to learn more. And I think I'm going to keep my training very traditional. So the traditional practice goes back to Hatha. Hatha is a asana practice that is focused more on breath and light movement. Obviously, in Cape Town, there are many other practices. But because of what I've learned and what I personally connect to, I think the integration for my teaching is going to be one that encompasses the philosophy as well as the healing asana that is Hatha Yoga. Um, but I don't feel like I have the full answer for that question yet. And that is my homework after this podcast. Okay. What do you feel you gained the most from your trip regarding mental health? I really do feel like I answered that one now. But I think... <sighs> the main thing that I gained for my mental health... Was... Well, let's start with my anxiety. So I have actually not experienced any anxiety being back home. And it's truly because of breath work in the practice. 
in pranayamas, which is breath control, in meditation, off the mats, being in situations and bringing those practices in that moment. So when I'm stuck in traffic and people are cutting in, I take a step back and I'm like, does this really need to be something I need to moan about? Is this something I can control? Being in the space for 30 days, practicing every day, you will gain a new habit. And for me, that was my new habit, was not reacting. And I find that reacting and anxiety are very close-knitted because they can kind of fuel each other. And when I let go of that and I allow myself the time to actually take the time before responding to a situation or emotion, it's helped so much with my anxiety. Um, besides the post-blue travels, um, depression-wise, I feel like I don't have any bouts of it. Um, I wouldn't say I was clinically depressed, but because of the medication that I was on and the traumas that I've been through in life, as well as my Hashimoto's, there was a lot of imbalances and I found that I haven't had any of that yet. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me, and I do believe it ties into mental health, was just gaining perspective. Gaining perspective on how short of a life we truly do have here. How we are not guaranteed anything and how... Yeah, life can literally change in a second. That brought a lot of perspective to where I'm at now. And then in the dark times, I can at least ask those questions, which I wasn't able to before. So when I hit those blocks, I can actually put my life into perspective, thanks to yoga. Um, another thing that wasn't really yoga-related, but I guess your question is more trip-related was um, seeing how little others have and how their happiness scale is like off the charts. And again, that went into perspective. And then lastly, um, I'm very indecisive. And I've realized that being indecisive definitely links back to the fear of maybe being wrong or doing the wrong thing. And, you know, maybe that goes into like reparenting stuff that I need to do. But I was in so many situations in India where it was honestly up to me whether I got to a place, whether I survived, um, whether I could help a friend while traveling in the craziest train station I've ever been in because it actually it, it happened when we were at the train station and the girl I was with ended up getting really, really filled with anxiety because we were... One, our flight got delayed for five hours. Then it got cancelled. Then we had to get a taxi back to our old yoga studio. Then we had to get a taxi to the bus stop, which we then had an 11-hour bus drive overnight. We then got to that place um, to then get a taxi to the train station after not sleeping or eating. And once we got to the train station, I said to her in the taxi, I was like, listen, I just have this feeling that we should just take this taxi. I know it's a bit of out, of out of our price range, but I just don't think the train station is going to be a good idea. She was like, no, it's so much cheaper. Let's go. I'm like, okay. Intuitively, I'm like, I feel like this is a bad idea. We get to the train station. It is a, excuse my language, shit show. I have never seen such an intense train station in my life. Plus, nothing's in English. And there's people everywhere and it's in the midst of Delhi and it is chaos. So we get there and she goes to see the price. There aren't any first class tickets and I can see she's about to have a panic attack. Now, if Luke was with me, he would have been the person taking control of the situation more than likely because he's very... Um, He's very confident in his choices, whereas I normally doubt mine. And in the moment, I literally saw her as if she was a mirror of me, because she, her whole body language just changed the way mine does. And in that moment, I just thought to myself, what would Luke do? And Luke would make a decision 
and not take control of it, but he would just, in that moment, take control, make a decision best for everyone, not just for himself. And that's what I did. And something like that, honestly, just showed me how assertive and how I don't need to let fear govern my mind, even in that one small thing. And I've actually made so many choices after that. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have any more info on the yoga lines? Okay, I'm not quite sure what that means, but I'm going to just add the link in the copy to my course and then all the info will be there. So I'm just going to say that one is answered. What are your plans going forward? Um, like I said previously, I want to learn a bit more. I want to maybe teach some friends. Um, maybe I, I might take Luke as my first client because he needs it. Um <laughs> And I have two concepts that I'm working with, but I'm not wanting to share that just yet. I kind of want to grasp it and see if it's actually potentially an opportunity that Cape Town is ready for. And then I will speak about it. And the last question is, in all honesty, was it worth it? Hell yeah, I would do it again, 100%. Despite the bed bugs, the conjunctivitis, the crazy traveling, the language barriers, the weirdest, weirdest weather ever. I would do it again, again, and again. All right. So, seeing as though there is no one interviewing me, the last question is dedicated from my PA, Emma. <laughs> what would you tell Candice before India? A word of advice to your lovely self a month ago. I would tell myself to surrender, which I did tell myself, and I would tell myself again. Surrender to everything, to the chaos, to the miscommunications, to the food, to the people, to your body, to the way it moves, how it can't move, when you can breathe, when you can't breathe, when you find a new place, when you see a new freaking wonder of the world, everything, surrender. And I take that into life. Shanti, shanti, always. Thank you for listening, guys. I love you all so much. And I'll see you again soon. Bye.